Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. And we are talking on evangelism. But just before you say, oh, not the evangelism message. I don't like that one. It's a real strong confrontation. I'm not a confrontational person. Like, oh, no, we all got our concepts of what evangelism looks like. Most of us think of evangelism as an evangelist standing up on a street corner and preaching. Or an evangelist means you've got to be confrontational. And so we go, oh, that's not me. I'm not confrontational. But I want to help us see biblically. First, remember, the word evangelist, you know the actual word has the word good news in it? It literally means the teller of good news. Someone who tells good news. I mean, it's not hard to tell people about good news. So even that, just stop and think, okay, my assignment by God or as an ambassador is this is it, to tell people about good news. If we were in World War II days and were fighting, you know, the World War, the world war was happening for the last four, five, six, seven years, whatever it was, and all of a sudden the war is over and you tell everybody, guess what, the good news, the war's over. It's not hard to go out in the streets and tell people that the war's over. It's actually good news. They, they celebrated. They had parties out in the streets. They, they rejoiced because the war was over. So we're telling people the war's over between God and man. There's peace towards God, uh, towards earth through God because of the gift of Jesus. So you're telling people about the good news that God loved you so much. Always tell them the good news first. So we start to twist and we're talking, we've got to repent. Repent or you're going to hell. You're going to hell. Do you know your destiny? If you keep living that lifestyle, you've got to change. You've got to repent. And we point their life, you know, focus onto them, their lifestyle, their disobedience, their sin. And we tell them to repent without telling them the good news. Tell them the good news first, and because of the good news, then change your thinking, change your mind, and repent. And because the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, when you tell them the good news, they'll want to repent. And so we've got to know how to explain it, obviously. But I want to talk today about the different styles of ways of telling the good news. Confrontation is one of them. I think there's about six of different ways that... There's many more in the Bible, I'm sure, but we're going to be talking about a few different ones. Like invitational style evangelism is in the Bible. Relational style evangelism. Like I said, confrontational is just one of them. Charitable, being very charitable and showing love and doing deeds, good works, is a, is a powerful way of evangelizing. And um, demonstration of power and miracles, signs, wonders, is a form of evangelism. Sometimes you pray for someone, they get healed, that will open them up to God. Before that, they want to believe us. They're not really believing. And then they get healed and they all of a sudden open up. So there's many different ways that we can share the gospel. And it's all in the Bible. We're going to go to Ephesians 4, 11. Because we need to have the right thinking, right mindset. We're going to go through a fair bit of scriptures. Please, if you want to study them, they'll also be up on the app. But also write them down if you want and have a look at them. Because sometimes we won't have time to look at them. I can quote it. I've got it here on my iPad. We won't have time to read everything or go to everything. So Ephesians 4 verse 11, talking about Jesus giving to the church these gifts. And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. So Jesus gave these gifts. Some people call them the five-fold gift ministries. They're translocal. They're actually translocal gifts. They're not just to a local context. It's translocal to the global church. And when we read that, we stop there. We go, ha, look at that. God gave these gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. And we think that's their job to do the work. 
That's, a, that's, that's how we've been living that for many, many years, by the way, the church. We think the pastor's job is to pastor everybody. But according to the scriptures, when you read it, and so therefore the evangelist, with the, with the evangelist, it's his job to evangelize. It's his job to reach the lost, not mine. As long as we think like that, we limit the Holy Spirit working through our lives. But let's read what the Bible actually says. He gives all these apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, verse 11. And he gave, so for, what's the purpose? Verse 12, sorry. For the equipping of the saints. What were those gifts for? To equip the saints. So a pastor is called by God to equip the saints for the work of ministry in the area of pastoring. We pastor each other. We care for each other. We shepherd each other. We help. We disciple each other. But the pastor's anointed job is to teach the saints Who's the saints? Every believer. The Bible talks about saint is a called out person. Don't put the definition of Catholic church on the saint. Put the definition of what the Bible says a saint is. The Bible says a saint is a believer. Anyone that is a called out is a saint. You have to understand that or else you, we, we'll think, well, that's to the saint. That's not to me. It is to you because Paul is writing to the saints in Ephesus. That's how he starts. And that's how he starts all his um, letters is to the saints in Corinthians, to the saints in Galatians. He talks like that. So for, for the equipping of the saints, before for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And it goes on to say other things that it does. But the thing we want to take out is for the equipping of the saints. That means the evangelist is gifted to evangelize, but to equip. His main job description is to equip the saints to do the evangelizing. As long as we get him to come in and he does all the evangelizing, he preaches big crusades and he flows in the gifts and he preaches the gospel, then we go, it's his job. But reality is he equips the saints. Do you believe your Bible? He equips the saints to do the work of service. What service? Of evangelizing. Okay? And you think, well, that's one scripture. Well, there's heaps of scriptures. I'm glad you, you know, asked that question because it's all throughout the Bible. And Mark chapter 16, really quickly. Mark 16, we're just going to go through some of them as a foundation and dive into this. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus himself. I mean, I always often think, if I knew I was going to die and I had one last time to talk to you, what would I say? One last time to talk to my wife or my children, what would I say? I know I'm going to heaven. And like, this is it. You, You usually say the most important thing on your heart. You're not going to waste your words. You're not going to mess around. You'd say, what's the most important thing? And Jesus knew he was going to heaven and he gets his disciples and he says, because he's going to heaven. After he said this, he went up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. He says, go into all the world and preach the what? The gospel to all creation. The gospel is good news. I remember, remember what we're sharing is good news. It's not bad news. It's not hard to share good news. Oh, hang on. By the way, did you know that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus and died on the cross for your sins? And the penalty has already been paid. Really? Are you serious? You don't have to do anything to be forgiven. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Jesus died on the cross in your place. What? He's such a merciful, gracious God. He's saying, I forgive you if you put your faith in Jesus. If you believe this message, the very power of the belief changes you. And that's why it changes you from the inside out. You turn from your sin because you can't believe and go, oh yeah, you died on the cross. Almost. You're talking about God becoming a man and dying in your place. That's love. That's love. It's like, God, you love me so much that you died for me. That's the good news. I'm reminding us, remember, we should only sound like good news. 
If they reject it, it's bad news for them. Yes, because they go to hell for all eternity. If they reject it, if they reject the message, they get mad. If they accept it, they get glad. And you find that in the book of Acts. Some got angry, some got joyful. So they got mad or glad. But the message is go to the whole world. So go, you know, we're talking about the world outside our window. Our window speaks of our little comfortable, comfortable house, our walls. Got a window, I look outside there every now and then. Oh, it's a very nice world out there. And then we, you know, but that, that's the world. There's a whole world out there. How do we reach them? Well, the Bible says go into the whole world. Every ethnos, every nation, go to the whole world. Preach the gospel, good news to all creation, everyone. God is all compassing. He's saying, he's saying this is not going to be finished until we tell everyone. Gospel out there. Now, we think like a fisherman going to a boat in the ocean and he's wants to catch a fish, but he just waits for a fish to accidentally, you know, those flying fish, and they fly, and got, in, got one. Wah! We're like that in church sometimes. We just hope one day they just come in. They might just come in and might hear the gospel and might feel what they feel, what we feel. They get saved. We've got someone saved. We're waiting for them to come here. God didn't say that. God said, go there. Go out. And we're going to show you how we can do that. And we'll see how the Bible did it. And Matthew 3, verse 2, Jesus' message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what was his message? The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is available. And he didn't just declare it. He actually demonstrated the kingdom was at hand. And he says he went around healing all that were sick and diseased. Imagine going to a city or a town or a suburb, a village, and you tell people, hey, this is my message. I've come to share good news of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is ready and at hand. It's available. And if you're sick and diseased, I'm going to pray for you. And then he prays for them. They all get healed. That just sounds like good news. He had authority because he's living under the submission of the king. We have authority because we submit to the king of this kingdom. But our message has to be the kingdom. We have to understand that or else we're telling people about, oh, would you like to come to church? That's good. Keep doing it if you're doing that. If that's all you have and that's the only entry level and you've been impacted by coming to church and you think, wow, I've got to invite someone. Invite them. God uses it all the time. But we want to grow and realize what is the message we carry. The message is the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 4.23, write it down if you want. Jesus went and preached everywhere the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and disease. Same message. I'm showing you this for a reason because I want our faith to be word-based. And when you see that, well, he did this, what Jesus was sent by the Father to do. Do you know that Jesus, I hope you've read your Bible, Jesus sent you to do the same thing. We'll show, I'll show you in a second. It says in Matthew 9.35, uh, actually he says the same thing. Jesus went around everywhere preaching the gospel. Matthew 24, 14. He says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Like God is, is holding back the end because He wants everyone possible to hear the gospel. Everyone. Mark tw- chapter 1, verse 14. Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you, or repent ye, this is old King James, repent ye and believe the gospel. What are we supposed to believe? The good news. But they have to hear the good news to believe. The good news comes from our lips. 
Every single one. Look how many good news people here we have. All these people can tell someone about good news. Tell people about the good news. And when they hear the good news, it says, what are we supposed to do in response? We repent. Tell them the repentance. And the repentance is to change your thinking. When you understand this God became a man and this King of heaven became a man and died on the cross for our sins, you want to change your thinking, your values, your everything. You say, Lord, I turn away from living my life in my own selfish sinfulness. I give you my life. That's repentance. But it's a response to the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Does it make sense? And it says, this is it. Look, John 17, verse 17. This is Jesus praying, talking to the disciples. And he says this, sanctify them through your truth. He says, your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So what message did Jesus carry? The gospel of the kingdom, healing everyone. What the Father gave him to do, Jesus just, in his own words, now I send them into the world. Now, are you sure about that? Absolutely. Because he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. He gave us the same mandate. Jesus' word says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. When he was telling us to preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Jesus, hang on a sec. What don't you understand? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. But you've got to preach the gospel. But what do you do? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. It doesn't even say pray for the sick. It says heal the sick. When you've when you got God inside you and the power of God's in you, you realize I have resident power to heal the sick. That's why Jesus says, go and do it and heal the sick. Demonstrate my love. Demonstrate the good news. That's great. We're all at, every, everyone's at different levels. We're all learning this. Start with a headache. Start with someone's backache or something small. Just, just start somewhere. You'll be surprised what God will do through you. Amen. So we know that God sent us. In Romans 10, verse 13, Paul is really making this strong argument. It's simple but powerful. Romans chapter 10. You know this one? I hope you do. Romans 10, verse 13, he says, I'm talking about he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So how do you get saved? By calling on the name of the Lord. But you've got to hear the name of the Lord. What he says here, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Now we're talking about the world outside our window. How are they going to call on someone they've never believed? Right? They can't call on someone they've never believed. How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How can people believe if they've never heard? Because we know, he says it later on, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how are they going to hear it? Through your lips. Through my lips. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and, and he actually says this, how will they believe in whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? That word preacher is proclaimer. Don't put this type of preacher, oh, the preacher that's on behind the pulpit up on a stage, like he's in a preacher. He's like, no, it actually just means a proclaimer. You look it up. That's what the word means. It's how can they hear unless someone's proclaiming? But hang on a second. How can someone um, proclaim unless they are sent? Aha, we have to, there's that sent word again. We have to be sent by God. Guess what? God has already sent us. I'm telling you, Jesus would not say something different if he walked into your room tonight. If Jesus walked into this room, everyone would be full of on the ground first because of the glory on his life. But if he, if he restrained his glory and he got up, you know, he's not going to change his message. 
What was important 2,000 years ago was just as important. He hasn't got a better message, a more important message. He would say, take this gospel and preach the gospel to all creation. I'm telling you, I believe that with all my heart. He won't change it. If he walked into my room and I'm experiencing his glory and his love and his goodness, which I would, and I experience his love and goodness, I say, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? Preach this gospel. Tell people about me. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through me. Preach this gospel. They've got to hear to believe. But don't, again, don't, don't categorize what you think an evangelist is. You just think an evangelist is someone who's uh, confrontational. No, that's only one aspect. And so, a lot of us aren't confrontational. There are elements where you might get confrontational at times. But I'm telling you, most of us will flow in all these other ones. Invitational, relational, intellectual, charitable, demonstration. Demonstrational. I, I made that word up because I don't think it exists. <laughs> Another one for Nathan Nicotra. He writes all the, name, all the words that I've coined. But... Um, so, woman in the, the woman at the well. Look at, actually, now before we do that, Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 36. This is so powerful. You have to see this because I want you to see what Jesus is planning. Because God will anoint what we do when it's according to the blueprint of the Bible. And so, Jesus says here, He told them about the parable of sowing seed, good seed, and sowing. Uh, and the enemy sowing tares. And they said to him in verse 36, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And Jesus said this, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. So we know Jesus is the sower of the good seed. And the field, check this out, is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. So who are the good seeds that Jesus is sowing into the world? Sons of the kingdom. That's you. Sons and daughters of the kingdom. God takes you and sows you where? In the world. Oh, wow. He takes you and puts you out there in the marketplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your university, in your streets, in your, in your workplace. He takes you in your everyday life. Jesus sees you as a seed sown. It's beautiful. And as you grow, when you trust the kingdom, because you've got to live this kingdom. It's no use me telling someone about the good news if I don't live it. Does that make sense? A lot of people don't want to talk to people about good news because they're, they're, they're full of shame, full of guilt. You've, there's got to be an element where you're living in love with Jesus. Uh, he's in love with me. I'm in love with him. And I love him. I experience. And there's an element also of living victorious. Because if I'm bound up and I'm all, you know, defeated by sin and full of guilt and shame and I don't have any joy, I don't have any faith and peace and I've, I let the devil steal that, you think I'm going to tell someone about the joy of my salvation? You know, you end up giving, oh, I don't want to tell you, it's so, so, so hard for me to struggle to fight in this fight of faith. No. When you live close to Jesus and you're in love with him and he fills you with love and empowers you, you live victoriously, you can't help but shine it. You want to tell people. You can't help it. You've got a massive pandemic around the world right now. And imagine that, imagine. Some evil, worse than that. Like that's something that, because that's not as bad, like COVID nineteen. Let's say cancer, some crazy disease that's terminal. That if you get it, you're for sure gonna die. It just takes time, and that's rampant. But you find the antidote. You find the antidote that's gonna heal you. So you take it because you're dying. Like everyone's dying of it. You take it, and when you take it, it heals you. You don't go, oh great, this thing works. You don't put it on the shelf. If everyone else is dying of the same disease. It's an unlimited supply. 
not going to run out, right? You've got, you got as much because the gospel will never run out. You can take that gospel and tell everyone, guess what? I've got the antidote for sin. You can be set free. You can be delivered from the bondages of sin and hell. And, and it, it's worked. I'm free. You want to share it. You won't want to put it away. That, but it's got to be real to you, doesn't it? I'm trying to help us see it has to be real. When we live in it and on fire, we've got our first love. You can't help but tell people about the goodness of God. When I freshly encountered Jesus and He's touched and melted my heart, I want other people to know that. I want other people to know this peace available. You don't have to live in stress and worry and anxiety and depression. You don't. The first rule of being free, can I tell you the first rule? It's a really simple one. I'm telling you, it really works, is actually believing you can. It's simple as that. The moment you think, but I just can't. I, I can't be free of anxiety. Everyone lives in anxiety. It's just my personality. I, I'm full of stress. Or I'm, I'm depressed. Everyone's depressed. You know, everyone else is depressed. My parents are depressed. I'm depressed. That's just the way I am. Therefore, guess what? You believe it. You're hitting a ceiling that you've put there. Because you actually don't believe you can be free from depression. But you have to believe the Word of God. God made you in His image and His likeness. I can live free. I can. That's true of holiness. I've got to believe that I can live holy if I'm ever going to walk in holiness. If I think, no, nah, everyone falls in sin and it's, oh, well, everyone's not, you know, then guess what? You won't live free and walk holy because of the love of Jesus that keeps you strong. Only He empowers you to keep holy. If you mess up, you get back up and put your eyes on Jesus and you keep going as if you never sinned because it's the grace of God that empowers us. So, we are sown by Jesus out in the world. That means every one of you, God sees you as a, sown, a seed sown. And again, when you have faith in the kingdom, you realize, Jesus said, what can I compare the kingdom of God like? It's like a mustard seed. You put it into the ground, and you go home, you go to sleep, wake up night and day. You don't know how it grows, but it grows. It grows to the point it becomes a massive tree. And that tree, think of the kingdom. How long does it take for a seed to become a tree? It's a long time. I want things overnight. You want things instantly and overnight because we're living in an instant society. But I planted this seed in the age of 19 when I got saved. Jesus put the seed in my heart, so, and, and that seed has been growing ever since. Now I look back and go, God, I have faith in your word. Your word will always work. I wish I could tell my younger self, just trust. Because the word will become the seed will become a tree with a lot of fruit in it, and everyone comes and finds shade. That's what Jesus said. The birds of the air will come and find shelter and shade under that tree. I'm talking about you. You allow that word to grow. Let the presence of God, everything about Jesus grow in you. You become a mighty tree, but it's so slow. He compared the kingdom like that. When you realize, wow, the word is powerful, but you've got to water it. You've got to plant it. You've got to have the right... You've got to have the sunlight. You've got to get the weeds out. You've got to make sure you nurture that heart. Amen? The seed that grows. So if you go to, some, if you go to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, let's quickly look at the different styles of evangelism. And you will relate to some of these and some you go, no, that's not me. That's fine. But just you be you. I'm trying to set you free to be yourself. Be free to be you, but know that you're called to share the gospel. Whichever way, whichever style, whichever personality you fit, you, you share it that way. But John chapter 4, we know that the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, was very, well, very much impacted by Jesus. 
I mean, she was so impacted because Jesus started, when he started to get from the natural conversation to spiritual, he started saying, okay, get your husband then if you want to know about this water that you'll never thirst again. Oh, man, I don't have a husband. You're right in saying you don't have a husband because you've got five. You've had five husbands. He's really speaking direct to her because he knows that she's been with five different men. And it was really, for her, impacted her. She, I perceive that you're a prophet. Jesus, I mean, he says, are you the Messiah? Is the Messiah coming? So she was so impacted. That was demonstration of the gifts, impacted her. But what Jesus did there, he used all of them. He, he was very relational with her. He started very relational. But she got so excited, she went off to Samaria, to her hometown. And you know what she says in verse 29? Look, come and see a man who told me all things that I have ever done. Is, is this, this is not the Christ, is it? So all she did is invite them to come and hear Jesus for themselves. So sometimes when you get impacted by God or you go to church and you experience God, sometimes the level of entry that you start to tell people about the good news is say, hey, come and hear this person. Or you got to come, invite them to an alpha group. Invite them to a connect group. Invite them to a dinner party where you're going to have other believers around. It's, it's an invitational style. Is that all right? Quite easy. Invite them to a crusade. Invite them to an event. Invite them to a a conference invite them to something online that you might watch someone's going to be preaching have this amazing message amazing testimony invite them just invite invite you'll get better at delivering the the message yourself but start with invitation and some are going to be really good invitational but she used that and god used that invitation from her being impacted she just told the testimony and they all came out to hear jesus they actually said, now we have heard for ourselves. We don't believe only because of your words, but we believe because we've heard for ourselves because they came invited. So first level, I believe in sharing the gospel is start with invitation. So don't lose the culture inviting people to a connect group, a Bible study, an alpha course, or church, or all of those things. But that's, that's just, we want to learn to be equipped to share the gospel ourselves eventually as well. The relational style is found in Mark chapter 2, and that's Matthew. Remember Matthew, um, the tax collector? He was invited. Well, Jesus said, come and follow me. And so that was a big call for him. He left his tax collecting business and work and career to follow Jesus. And you find Mark 2 verse 14. What does he say? As he passed by, Jesus talking about, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. So he left everything and followed Jesus. But this is what happened straight after. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house. Whose house? Matthew's house. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many of them, and they were following him. And the Pharisees couldn't believe, how could you be eating and dining with tax collectors? So basically, Matthew was impacted and he, made, he chucked a dinner party. That, to me, is a picture of relationship. Invite all your people you know. Invite your friends, people that you're in relationship, and come and hang out with Jesus. And Jesus was not a, not a pulpit, not preaching. He's reclining and eating with them. And they're letting their guard down. And they're probably waiting on every word. And they're probably hanging out on every word. But being in the same presence, relationally, they got ministered to. So to me, relationship. Invite someone over to your home. Someone that you're working on. Someone that you want to lead them to Jesus. You be, you, God's put them on your heart and you're trying to spend time. Build relationship. This is one of our strengths. Kristen and I, we do that all the time. We, we, we love people. So 
If that's your strength, through relationship, you build a bridge. And guess what? From that bridge, work friends and people you do life with, people you do hobbies with, you build a friendship, a relationship. Then from that, you can share the gospel. Because in relationship, they'll go, oh, I'm going through this hard time. Something such has happened or my, my daughter's sick or my mom's fighting cancer. And then you say, hey, can I pray for you? You know, Jesus did this for me. And then tell them stories. Relationally. Everyone can do this. You don't have to be a confrontational preacher. Because sometimes we write, oh, I'm not an evangelist, therefore I'm not a confrontation. Confrontation is one small aspect of evangelism. really is. Don't think you have to be a confrontational personality to be an evangelist. We're all called to share the gospel. Okay. And so we find that in... Jesus did that. I love how Jesus did it. He's sitting down at the woman at the well, and he's thirsty. He's had a long journey. She's come to get water from the well outside of the town, and he just says, can you give me something to drink? That is so natural. So start very natural. Can I give you the greatest tip of evangelizing and winning someone to Jesus? You want to see what it is? Watch this. This is how it works. Hi, how's it going? Hi, how are you? Just say Hello. Break the ice, say hello, start a, relationship, start a conversation. Trust me, do this. Just be friendly, smile and say, hi, how's it going? And start chatting and talking. You get on an airplane or a train or a bus. If you sit down and after an hour of being together, you say, hi, how's it going? <laughs> do it at the beginning. You know, it's really awkward. The longer you leave it, the more awkward it'll be. So just as soon as you sit down, go, hi, how's it going, mate? Where are you going? You know, we're traveling to, and then I, I like to, this is my way. I, hey, what do you do for work? And, they go, oh, don't need to, and then he, he always asks me, what do you do for work? Aha, gotcha. <laughs> and I can share what I do for work. <laughs> what I, it's a living, because it's not for work, but it's a, my life. But I can share, this is what I do. And then it opens up the gospel message. But it's relational. I'm just saying, how's it going? But smile. Say hello. Jesus started very natural. And from that, when he says, oh, she was shocked that how could you be a Jew talking to me who's just a woman, a Samaritan? They don't even talk. And he goes, if you knew who I was, I'd, and he twists it, he, he flips it to spiritual. If you knew who I was, I'd give you living water. And you would never thirst again. And he brings God into a relation, a, a very physical relational conversation. It's actually not so hard. It's hard when we're thinking this. Oh, what gospel message should I share to him? What's word of knowledge? Oh God, what should I say? God, I've got to, I've got to confront him. You know, just say hi. And if you want to do it this way, if you want to be this confrontational, just say, hey, I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. And he really loves you and he's got a plan for you. That's a great way to start. Because sometimes when you're out and about, you don't have time to have a long conversation. You say, hey, I just want to know Jesus loves you. Plant the seed. And you'll be surprised sometimes all of a sudden a conversation starts. Tell them that God loves them. Tell them that God has a plan for them. Jesus loves you so much. And start a conversation. Confrontational is very, very small part of evangelism. You, you find one of Paul used intellectual. And that is in Acts 17, verse 16 to 34. He went to Athens. The Greeks were philosophers. They loved to talk and philosophize. But it says that he, he, he did, he spoke to them. He went to the synagogue. It actually says he was so grieved when he was in Athens, so grieved that he could see all these idols everywhere. So he went to the synagogue, which is a great place because that's where they go hear the word. So that, was, that isn't confrontation because that's, that's the context of the Jews coming together to hear the word of God. But it says, but also he went to the marketplace every day. 
Now that would have been a bit more confrontational. So he used this as this confrontational style with the intellectual. So a lot of them mixed together. Jesus relational, but then he demonstrated the gifts with the woman at the well. He's relational, but he also demonstrated. And sometimes with Paul, he is, it has to be to some degree confrontation because it's in a marketplace setting. They all go there to talk philosophy, religion, law, and, and uh, politics. This is in Athens. And he talks about Jesus. And you know, you know what the Bible says? He spoke about Jesus and his resurrection. He preached Christ and his resurrection. And they go, wow, we want to know more about this Christ and this resurrection. Come to Mars Hill. So that's the place where they all talk about politics, make laws, decree laws and politics and everything. And he had to stand up in front of everybody and tell them the gospel. But you know how he started? Intellectually. I can see, I perceive you guys are very religious people because you've got idols everywhere. You've got, you've got so many idols. You even got one to the unknown God. Aha, this is his way in. I'm going to tell you about this unknown God you don't know about because there's an idol that says to the unknown God. In other words, just in case we miss anyone, we want to make sure we're getting everyone. This, this is how they think. This is like, anyway, I'm going to tell you about that. And he says, he talks about Jesus and his resurrection. Very, he really connects with the crowd. And he even quotes their poets. He says, some of your poets say that we are offsprings of God. And he goes, yes, that's right. We are offsprings of God. And he starts to talk about the creation. Like he just connects with them intellectually. And gets to, but he gets the gospel across. It's no use being relational, invitational, intellectual without ever preaching the gospel. You can, you can, you know, you can be so on fire and be really close to them and always connect to them. But you never share the gospel, they're not going to get saved. Remember what we heard? They have to hear the gospel. We are sent. We are sent. We're the sent ones. They have to hear the gospel. Charitable. We won't go into it because we run out of time. But Dorcas died. And the Bible says she was so charitable, did great deeds. And she used to make clothes and give it to people and give it to poor. She was known for her charitable deeds. Loved, but she died. And they heard Peter was close by near a town. And they called Peter. They brought Peter in and Peter raised her from the dead. She was known with her charitable deeds. I think showing love opens people up to the gospel. Deeds of love, charitable deeds, feeding the poor, clothing them, doing the things that we need to do, to, and they open up to the gospel. We used to do a lot of street preaching in the early days. We'd go to preach King's Cross, roughest places in Sydney, you know, up on the benches and preach. We'd preach at people. No one would stop. You're going to hell. We, we, we had it wrong. We had the gospel so wrong, it's not funny when I first got saved. So don't do that. And I was, and no one would stop. I'm like, what's wrong with these people? You know? And eventually, once, first I saw someone else do it from America, a, a visiting guy, and he, he was gathering a crowd. I thought, wow, different approach. And I, I thought, I'm going to do that. I tried that, and it worked. He grabbed the crowd by saying, hey, he just worked with the crowd. It's amazing. I tried it, and it worked. But the biggest thing for us was we started to bring a pot of vegetables beautiful vegetables cooked at home got some gas and cooked the food heated up in the winter time and gave food away vegetable soup and we started giving cloves away it opened it up we got crowds just from feeding people vegetables so like these people care and have to give us some food and I can't it just opened up I was a fashion designer I had all these clothes and the Lord said get all your clothes that you're not even using give it to the poor give it to the people in the street that was a hard one to do because you go up to a complete stranger you're looking for a homeless person and I see this guy look homeless I went up to him I said um, middle aged and a young man I said guys you know 
uh, my name's Leo. Look, I'm a Christian. I had to convince them that I've got some clothes in my van. Would you want to come and check out? And, right? and they were looking at me strange. They really didn't want to follow. They finally followed me, went to my van. I was a break dancer, fashion designer, hip-hop. And they, oh, these are cool jackets. Yeah, man, they would be great for John and Stephen. They're grabbing their clothes for their friends, homeless people. They were homeless. I got that right. Thank God. But, but then after that, I said, let's go to McDonald's. You guys are hungry. Went to McDonald's to feed them. When I fed them some food, they go, hey, man, why don't you come to the fountain and come speak to all the boys? Come and, come and chat with all the boys, mate. Like, why? Charitable deeds opened them up. The gospel. You can do that. So some are gifted. Your strength, your personality is, that's what I want to do. That, I just want to love people with that. And, of course, demonstration of power. People were raised from the dead. The whole towns came to the Lord. People that were crippled and got healed. The Bible says all of them believed when they heard that this crippled man crippled for so long. We're going to see way more of that. Way more. I'm telling you now. Be ready because he's going to use you. Not the great evangelist, remember. He's going to use you. He sowed you out there. He sowed you as a seed out there. And he's going to use you. When you go to India, I ask them all the time. All the pastors, believers, everyone I speak to, the churches. I go, how did you become a Christian? Oh, and I'm telling you, 80, 90% of the story is this. My wife was dying of this. My wife had this, or my I had this, and my son had a, a disease. We went to the Hindu temples, went to this, went to that, and they prayed for him, never got healed. I went to a church. Pastor prayed for me, was healed. And after that, I became a believer. I'm telling you, 90%, 80 to 90% of the testimonies was that. And I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to see way more of that. Way more. Jesus is here He's, he's anointed you. His angels of healing are all over Australia ready to heal people when you pray for them. Demonstration. So all different styles, isn't it? The main thing is say, God, use me. I'm encouraging you to say, you are already sent. If Jesus came, he would say the same thing he said before. As our Father send me, I send you. You are already an ambassador. Paul says that. You are an ambassador of heaven. So I, is that the right word? Deputize you? Just to show you that you've, got, you've been given the authority by God to be ambassador of heaven. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. God lives in you. Let's tell people good news. Amen? Everyone, and when you do lead someone to Jesus, guess to some degree, yes, the church gets around as a community, a family. We all help disciple that person. But imagine if we all owned, I'm going to disciple that person I led to the Lord. That's called multiplication. When you're mature, you know, I can lead, I can disciple that person. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We want to submit to the word of God. We want to submit to the biblical pattern of the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Just say yes. Just say yes in your hearts. Lord, whatever you know, way, whatever way I'm gifted, style, if it's invitational, if it's relational, if it's intellectual, if it's charitable, Lord, I, I want to I lean into that gift. I want to use the way you made me to reach people for Jesus. If it's, uh, you know, confrontational, go for it. If it's uh, the demonstration of the gifts and healing and, and flowing in the gifts. Lord, I pray that you empower every believer because you already have. You've filled us with the Holy Spirit and power. We come against fear. We come against 
fear of failure, fear of what people would say. We come against the fear of man. And Lord, we reverence you first. We want to obey you, God. We plant seeds and we water them. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Notice what I said. I didn't say win souls. You're not going out to win. You're going out to plant seeds. You're going out to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. It's His job to get them saved. But we plant seeds, water it. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.